0: Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon, and scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn
1: more.
2: Osiris.
1: Hey, this is Brendan from Umphreys McGee. This podcast is part of the Osiris Podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts, connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and of course, lots of music. Osiris. Osiris.
0: Hey everybody, it's Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 149, part two. Matt and I are back. Hello, Matt. Hello. We are going to resume our journey through February of, of 2003 and one day of March. I should add.
1: Yes, yes. They <laughs> they've cleared us to uh, re-enter the building after the uh, kitchen fire <laughs> that we had to evacuate for. So we're we're back up and ready to go. We're ready.
0: Before we get into it, uh, Matt, do you want to do you want to remind people just just quickly about the big cypress. Thing that we talked about last time,
1: yeah. So, uh, like it's, we talked about last week, um, we've got a big episode or series of episodes, really, uh, all across the Osiris podcast network um, later this year, uh, and we want your input. Um, so, we've gotten a lot of great submissions so far. Um, keep them coming. Um, if you were at Big Cypress, um, share your story by taking an audio recording of yourself, uh, sharing the the cool and and uh, funny details. Of your uh, your voyage there, your experience, what the scene was like, all that good stuff, um, and send that to bigcypress at osirispod dot com. Uh, send us your contact info so we know how to get in touch with you if we want to hear more from you. Um, otherwise, thank you very much, and you'll start to hear some of that uh, hopefully starting this summer.
0: Yeah, really exciting. That's going to be really cool. We have a lot of stuff stuff planned so. Thanks for participating. Send us send us whatever you got. So Matt, we are we are still in Cincinnati. We haven't been able to leave Cincinnati since we since we last recorded. It's been our families have missed us.
1: Yes, we are stuck here in Cincinnati, but uh, <laughs> ready to to plow forward. <laughs> so this, as you mentioned, made
0: made reference to at the beginning. Uh, there was a a fire at at the hotel that I guess the band and a and a bunch of fans were staying at the night. after the first night, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was like the middle of the night, the, uh, the hotel was evacuated. There was actually a legit fire in the kitchen. Um, if you, uh, go back and listen to Trey's solo show, uh, from last February, 2018 in Charlotte, um, he told the story from his perspective about, uh, being up quite late, uh, having a little party in his room and the, uh, the the experience that he had having to evacuate the hotel with a whole bunch of fans uh, and standing out on the street sc- the uh, the street there so <laughs> so the,
0: they come they, oh man probably a really small party he was having
1: I'm, yeah I'm sure it was just you know, a, a few uh, a few guests
0: yeah you know listening to some classical music and having a glass of wine after the
1: show absolutely
0: as you do so they they open up with a sloth everyone the the fans the band sleeping all day right that was a a nice uh, a nice nod to that but the the show does not suffer from a, a lack of energy
1: no, I mean, that's the, the crazy thing is like we talked about the night before sort of being a little lackluster, especially in the second set. You'd think that the show uh, after, you know, they had this big disruption in the middle of the night and stuff might be the one where it's it's a little sloppy or crazy. And it's quite the opposite. Uh, they come out swinging, and this is probably one of the strongest shows on the whole tour.
0: Yeah, definitely. The the Piper in the first set into Weekapog, uh, according to Fishnet, the first... First ever standalone Wikipog, um, which is which is interesting. The that jam is is pretty pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, the the piper gets really ripping. Um, we talked about you know this being an era of really really great pipers on the last episode. This one no exception. Um, they get cooking at such a high tempo, and Trey initiates the segue into Wikipog. Uh, they're playing so fast that Trey wants them to slow down, and you can actually kind of hear him laughing on the recording, at least the, the soundboard recording, um, as he's trying to get Fishman to slow down, and the rest of the band just isn't having it. Uh, they keep going <laughs> at this crazy fast pace. You can't even imagine how Mike plays Weekapog that fast. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, this is a, it's a great little combo, especially for so early in the show.
0: It's such a great, yeah, really good and the, and a mid first set Walls of the Cave after that, which is uh, um, another kind of pretty high energy song, really long, but, but again, with a little bit more space.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think this is the longest walls of the cave ever. Uh, it's like 22 minutes long or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, there's a section during the jam that almost sounds like woman from Tokyo, uh, at at a certain point, which, which actually is kind of one of those grooves that popped up a couple different times, um, during the tour. There's at least one Piper where, uh, that, that sort of happens. Um, or, and also the, uh, the bathtub gin from the very first night of the tour, uh, it sort of comes up. Um, but like we said about some of the other 2.0 jams really long, it kind of keeps pushing forward, but they don't really go anywhere with it. Uh, they kind of stay <laughs> inside of the walls of the cave, you know, trudging forward, rocking, rocking, rocking groove, uh, kind of thing, but, but it's great. And it's, it's a fun lesson.
0: And, and as noted by fishnet one, po- uh, it's sort of a type one jam, right? I think that's what you're saying. It's just like, keeps going forward, not really stretching into new territory, but, but long.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and then something that I would have enjoyed had I been there is the mountains in the mist right after walls of the cave. But, uh, you know, again, odd placement with right before assemble in the jar closer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, like, you know, the, what the 22 minute walls of the cave maybe should have been the set closer instead. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but then you've got mountains in the mist, which is a great cooldown song, but sample in a jar to close the set. I'm sure there, there was probably some, some disappointed jaded vets at that point.
0: <laughs> I mean, the, the, I don't know, you know, you have these, you have that, what you described last time was the, you know, the people who were there for the jams and the people who were, uh, you know, who were otherwise like just pissed off cause they weren't hitting all the notes. So it depends which. Which, which person you're talking to right
1: or we're just excited to be there because you know they either hadn't seen fish before or hadn't seen fish in a couple of years
0: yeah that's that's wild the the last um real set closer of uh for sample in a jar was the second set of um alpine 4 so you know that that's you got to go back a ways and and have some have some weird stuff going on um Sorry, sorry, Tweeter Center 04, but Alpine 04 had had a sample encore, which is always which is always lovely. There's just man, some strange stuff there in in 2.0. So 03 and 04, as Matt said last time, I think they were just sort of figuring it out as they went, right? Song song selection wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you see some I don't know. I mean, maybe some of it was like deliberate or a mood, because like one of the other things that I see that I would call strange song placement that pops up a bunch of times in 2003 is like a mid second set bug. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great song. Um, and it gets to really cool places. Um, you know, but middle of a second set is like a little bit of a strange placement for it, but it, it, yeah. and it happened a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, this speaking of bug, the second set. So another five song second set, this is one of the best, second sets. One of the best sets I think of, of 2.0, right? This is just, it's legendary. There's the tube opener is just, it's great. There's, it it just feels like there, it's so high energy. It's such a great opener. And then the bathtub gin, which is just, uh, just amazing.
1: Yeah. The tube is like, I mean, people would just kill to hear a tube like this these days. Um, it's not, like crazy long but it definitely jams um, it gets really funky um, surprised that they actually kind of bring it around to the ending it, there's a point at which you almost think that they're just not going back um, because they they kind of depart uh, and head off into the ether um, but then this gin uh, man and it I, I mentioned on the last episode you know bathtub gin might be the the best song of the tour. In terms of jams, and in a, in a tour and a year of great bathtub gins, this is maybe the best. I'm mean, probably the best, really.
0: Oh man, it's so hard. This this and and the Nassau one are are just both incredible. But that's actually maybe Matt. We should someday do a, a bathtub gin um, episode, as we did the two part tweezer episode. Because there's. There's there's so much. These two in this, and just in this month, I think are probably in the top top ten, top fifteen of all time for, for me. Yeah. yeah, I love I love. There's so many bathtub gin jams that I love, but this one is just great. It's one of those jams where like every note is is you know in my memory. I think I've listened to it you know enough times to 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 have everything <laughs> sort of burned in there. But the the whole set is just is really really good, and the. The Bowie is just, again, super intense, really just ferocious. It's Just a really great, really great set.
1: Yeah, I thought, um, you know, to, to get back to the gin for just a second. Um, actually, really, the gin and the Bowie almost feel like throwback jams uh, because mm-hmm. the, the gin gets into like almost summer '95 territory. Um, where you almost hear these hayhole hole exercises of, you know, the band trying to interlock all these parts that they're playing really, really, really awesome stuff. And then the Bowie, it doesn't go, it doesn't stray away from Bowie. It still gets from point A to point B, but it takes its time, uh, just guitar heroics by Trey. Um, this to me sounded like, you know, once again, a throwback to maybe like a 97 or 98 version of Bowie, just, just really, really fantastic.
0: Yeah. So this, um, this, this show is when this tour became president, this, this set. And, um, I think that's when people, people knew that they were back, at least for the time being, um, right? Right. <laughs> until we found out the next spring or whatever from Charlie Rose, <laughs> that, that they were actually, <laughs> that was not going to continue. Um, so Matt, so they go from Cincinnati to East Rutherford to hit, hit up the Continental Airlines arena, which, uh, not, not a lot of shows there um, one in one in February of 03, one in June of o three and that's it which is maybe a little surprising but I guess in the New York Philly New Jersey area there's plenty of places to play and they they don't really need to go out to New Jersey
1: yeah and I think this was this was actually the only time fish ever played there right I think there was a June there's another oh maybe yeah maybe it was yeah um, I think maybe Trey played there with like Dave and friends or something like that, but oh. uh, I don't know that uh
0: I don't Got know. it. So this
1: was the only one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um I I don't believe they yeah. had ever played there uh yep. before. Oh, you know what I think you're seeing is that they sang the Star Spangled Banner
0: uh. before
1: a game of the NBA finals.
0: Okay. Well that was better than this show this yep (laughs) (laughs) so people are really people are still like really pissed off about this show
1: yeah people people (laughs) get very fiery about this this was another one of the comments when we talked uh a couple weeks ago on social media about um you know your your winter oh three memories a lot of uh people that were very angry about this including our um partner in pod uh dave goldstein from um (laughs) beyond the pond who was particularly vocal about um how much he hated this show um i uh i I always joke a good friend of mine doug who uh i've seen a lot of fish shows uh with um he saw his first show ever at this show and is um you know of course he had a great time because it was a fish show but he was like yeah you know even i knew that was like it was a very strange thing (laughs) <laughs> and so we are you know if you if you're not familiar with the show it, what we're talking about is that this is the show where BB King sat in and that actually like just that fact is really really cool. I mean, you'd think like hey, BB yeah. King came out and sat in with the band and that's amazing. And I think it probably would have been amazing if it wasn't for the fact that it takes up an hour of the show. Like I, it's a really long time. I, I, and I forgot about that because I, when I listened to this, I haven't listened to this show in years. And I, and I was like, I remember that it was like a little bit boring, but like it couldn't have been that bad. Come on, it's B.B. King. And as I was listening to it, I have, kept having to go back and like re-add up the times of all the tracks for this thing. And I was like, I can't believe how long he was out on stage. Because even like... Like in my memory, it was maybe like 20 minutes that he was on stage or something like that. But it's just like, it's an hour of just like blues jamming. And then BB would talk for a little while and then they get Mm -hmm. back to some blues jamming. And I'm sure that it was a thrill for, for the band. But, uh, I think just at this point where we talked about these amped up crowds on this tour, having to sit through that for an hour was probably pretty excruciating.
0: The one thing I'd say, and I went back and listened to the whole thing too, the hearing Fish play with BB King, Thrill is Gone, with a, with a Pretty Cool Jam, was great. And if that was like, if it was that and one other song and it was like 13 minutes, that, it probably would have a much different um, reputation. I will say that the Down with Disease that opens this first set really, really, it seems like they're, they're, you know, ready to rock. And Fishman is, is really just killing it from the beginning and it seemed like that was going to be the you know i'm sure if you were there that down with disease opener you're like this is going to be a another great show especially if you had come from cincinnati but yeah it's a little bit of a of a, of a buzzkill however jonathan has offered a manifesto alternative take <laughs> <laughs> that i would like to now read alternative take A certified living legend, the king of the blues, recognizes and respects your band enough to go to East Rutherford, New Jersey and sit in. He wants to do that. They want him to do that and are right properly honored. This is literal once in a lifetime moment. Cherish it. To the people who complain about that experience, (laughs) I say shut the fuck up. (laughs) How many shows did Fish play in spitting distance of New York City that tour? Three. One head, BB fucking King sit in. And if pretty solid fish only set two. another has a notable tweezer, I believe. And the other was in Philly, whatever the people who complain about this as if something was taken for them by the presence on stage by allow me to say once more, a living legend are showing their entitlement. The, the only guarantee at a fish show is a unique experience experience delivered. Yes. I wish I were there. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan, for that. That's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's an alternative take Jonathan. Keep in mind, Jonathan is under the influence of a lot of heavy cold medicines right now. So, <laughs> you know, you can take, th- take this with a few grains of salt. Uh, no, and I, I mean, I think I, like, I agree with him to a certain extent. Um, I would say it's probably, probably quite, wasn't quite the to do that he makes it out to be because Trey had played with BB King, uh, in that IMAX movie, like right before this, right. Mm. I think that was like within a year yeah. or two before this and I forgot about that. You I mean for all we know BB King lives in East Rutherford. So like I right. mean, you know, maybe he was just like walking down the street and they were like, "Hey, BB, you know, you want to yeah. play man?" And he's like, "Oh, he was g- like, get Lucille. I'll, yeah, I'm in." <laughs> yeah.
0: He was like, "Whatever." Um the <laughs> the second set, the second set does have some some pretty good um jamming, I think. The at least the um twist is really is really good. And I guess maybe that's it.
1: (laughs) It's pretty much the twist. Yeah. That's, that's basically it. Um, I mean, once again, strange placements, Haley's comment. Okay. Like that. And it's pretty, it's pretty good Haley's, um, that, uh, doesn't even really get into the ending of Haley's before it starts jamming. Um, it's, which is good. Um, Harry hood. Okay. Early in the second set, but that's cool. But then you've got heavy things then a, a twist with a nice jam. Then all of these dreams. Yeah. Waves. Beautiful. Okay. Jamming again. Sample in a jar. Chalk dust <laughs> torture. And then you encore with farmhouse. It's a good farmhouse. It is a very good farmhouse, but it's still farmhouse. It's still encore. farmhouse. <laughs> all right. So
0: man, this tour is just crazy. So people are so upset and, and, Luckily, Matt, that wasn't your first show. But the next night from Philadelphia
1: was your first show. This was my first show, February twenty fifth at the Spectrum um, in Philly, and I think we're going to uh, spend a little time talking about this on HF Pod Plus.
0: Yes, with one of our with one of our friends and supporters who who really loves this show and wants to talk about it. But um, the 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 one thing I want to ask you, Matt, is just what your what you are kind of. Thoughts were going in. I know you had said you'd been waiting for for a while to see them. Were you? Um, were you? What was it like going in there and and seeing them for the first time? And, and did it live up to your expectations?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was at the time the biggest concert I had ever been to uh, in in my life. I mean, I was waiting for this for years. I had been a fan of the band by this point. Fish was my favorite band and had been for several years. I had studied so much of the back catalog of you know, concert audience recordings and things like that. I mean, I was really, really well ingrained in the whole thing. Knowledgeable had listened to a lot of stuff. I had seen Trey band, uh, maybe like six or seven times over the couple of years before this. And, um, you know, so I was like ready. I was educated. I was super excited. Um, you know, go my hometown, Philadelphia spectrum, still, you know, one of my favorite places to, to have ever seen music. Um, great, great time on shakedown that day, you know, got the whole experience. Um, it was freaking cold. I think it had snowed the day before. Um, you know, did a lot of, even got like, did a lot of driving cause I was in at school at Penn state at that point. So I like drove down for the show, saw the show, drove back the next morning to catch early morning classes. Like, um, it was a big thing. And I think I'm glad in the grand scheme of things that I, that when I saw this show, it was my first show, um, because Mm -hmm. I was so excited about everything that, um, I think pretty much anything, they could have done anything. It could have been the BB King show from, you know, from the night before. And I would have been through the the moon over the moon. Um, you know, so excited about it. Um, in retrospect, it's an okay show show. Um, Mm -hmm. It suffers from a lot of the stuff we've talked about in terms of like weird song placement and things like that. Um, But there is a really cool jam out of Theme from the Bottom in the second set. Um, It's kind of like, reminded me almost later on of the um, uh, 2013 AC Atlantic City version of of Theme from the Bottom that had all the Cushbush stuff in it. Yeah. I'll say like this feeling that I had that night, which kind of continued throughout 2.0 was that, you know, I had spent so much time listening to fish and watching at that time, whatever videos were available, looking at pictures, trying to understand what the whole experience was like. And of course everybody tells you like, Oh no, no, no. Like you'll never get it until you're actually there. Like it's so much different when you're in the room. And I tell younger, newer fans that, today like right like you can listen to a million tapes but until you actually get in the room you don't know what the experience is like and so when i got there and i saw this show it was a lot different than what i expected and now i can look back at it and say like yeah that's because of some of the weirdness that this 2.0 era had Mm -hmm. around it but at the time i was like oh okay yeah this actually seeing fish is different than I thought. This is not what I thought that the pacing and flow of a fish show would feel like. Um, and that happened to, to me with a lot of 2.0 shows, really all the 2.0 shows that I saw, I kind of mm-hmm. kept coming back to that feeling. So it was weird. Like once they came back in 2009, I remember at the Hampton shows being like, "Oh yeah, this is what I always thought it was going to feel like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. This is what I was actually like expecting to happen back then." That just always uh, kind of caught me off guard in the, that era, and it, it started with this night. It's it's a strange show, but it's um, you know, there's some there's some good memories for me for sure.
0: That's awesome, and yeah, we will break it down and, and listen to some more of it on on HF Pod Plus. I I had fr- <laughs> this sounds really bad, but I had sort of forgotten that I went to this show, but I was there too. And I obviously don't have as many memories as you do. And I, I don't know why I just, I drove up, I think for the night from, from DC and maybe went back after the show. Cause I was just out of college and didn't have money to stay places. I don't even know, but I, I don't even really remember the show at all. <laughs> it's weird. I wasn't like on drugs or anything that I remember, but maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah. Anyway. There was,
1: there was not like a ton that was memorable about it. Um, yeah, I will this say is, I have one, yeah. one, well, I'll share it for the, I'll save it for uh HF pod plus, but I do have a funny story about how I got my tickets for that show and everything, but you'll have to hear it over there. We'll go in, All right. in depth.
0: All right. So one thing I wanted, I want to mention a, a tweet that we got from Atara, um, who's at velvet sea waiter on, on Twitter. Um, uh, part of the, the Yen blog convo that asked for memories from, from this tour. She told one about, um, I guess they were on their way from this show to the next show when um, one of their friends stopped at a subway and a, a guy in their crew picked up a person who they called Subway Girl and um, she quit her job, called her mom for some clothes. The mom brought her clothes and then she got in the car and went on tour with, with them. <laughs> just, like, just really uh, great. This is great stuff. We need to do more of this asking asking the the, the uh, you know our friends for for memories. <laughs> yeah. I also want to just read more manifestos so if, if we can <laughs> figure out how to make that a standard part of this.
1: Cush Supply Co or Cushco is our wonderful Osiris sponsor and partner who also happens to be the largest producer of packaging products for the cannabis industry. As medical and recreational cannabis continue to be legalized, one leader has emerged as the go-to company to produce state-compliant packaging for cannabis. And that's KushCo. What does that mean? States have varying laws about how marijuana can be packaged. They need to be childproof, comply with labeling requirements, and so on. Kush knows all the regulations for every state, but the packaging doesn't have to be ugly. Cushco works with producers to create their own branding on amazingly innovative boxes, tubes, bottles, and other packages so they look amazing and function extremely well. Cushco also produces vaping hardware and supplies. If you've been in a cannabis dispensary lately you've definitely seen Cushco products Cushco has offices in 10 states plus canada and china please go to kushkosupplyco.com slash podcast to learn more about what they're up to and we thank them again for being a wonderful osiris partner so
0: the next show is 226 from Worcester. We went into depth on this show on HF pod plus probably four or five months ago with Jeff, who's a supporter and really loved this show. And, and people, people really, really went nuts about this show at the time. And I think still do about some parts of it. Right, Matt?
1: Yeah. Um, so that I got, you know, after having seen my first show the night before I got, my first taste of the true fish experience, which is being pissed that you missed a show that you wanted to see by one night. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because all I wanted, all I wanted was to see you enjoy myself in my first show. Uh, And then they opened with it the next night uh, when I was not there and, um, you know, played a pretty Interesting first set that was kind of something that people were speculating a lot leading up to this, which was most of the first set was made up of songs from their um, side projects that they played with during the hiatus. Uh, so you had you know Mike's song yeah. "Clone" with the Kaki, uh, yep. "Drifting" from Trey Van, "Blue Skies," uh, which is a uh, poor tornado song, I believe, in, um, Final from Final Flight, all in that pretty unique set and um, really fun. And, and at the time, I think people were, in general, freaking out about like how unique that was and how cool it was. Uh, that that excitement kind of got trumped a couple of minutes later when get to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the, the MoMA dance in this first set is, I think, what people people mention the most besides those those sort of new songs that you mentioned i think the to me the ghost in the second set is the is my favorite jam of, of this show but the the moment dance is is a great version and i think rightly uh rightly held up as a as a great you know jam for this tour So the um, the I don't know. It's interesting because there's there's some like momentum that they're hitting at this point. I think these are the last three shows of the tour, right? This one and the and the next two, and all three of them are really really good shows. But this this show's pretty pretty solid throughout. Um, not a lot of down down points like some of the other uh, some of the other shows we've talked about. Although there's a there's a little bit, but I feel like they're at this point just a little bit more locked in
1: yeah it's a great show and i think um were it not for what happened in the following show. And even to a certain extent in the tour closer at Greensboro, it would get a lot more acclaim. Um, but it's kind of sandwiched in a strange spot of the tour, um, and doesn't necessarily get noticed as quite as much as you might think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually completely forgot about that set two segment of the ghost into low rider into a into Yamar, um, which is really awesome. Of course, then we get back to, strange placement with a, you know, mid-second set Gaiuti, but that's okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a mid-second set something on this tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Ghost is just, what a nice groove in that in that jam. It's a really, really nice. So the next, we, we got to go, we got to go to Nassau. Um, I, I don't know why I chose to, to go from DC to come up just for the Philly show when I could have gone to Nassau, but you know what? Did, what did I know at that point? It's a little bit closer, so I guess that's why. But that's kind of dumb.
1: Yeah, um, and I feel the same way. I mean, of course, I was still in college and broke, and it was tough to get tickets for this tour, uh, as we talked about. But I feel the same way. It was like Nassau was the same striking distance from Penn State as Philly was, and uh, I could have I could have actually gone to Philly, gone back, caught class for a couple of days, and then gone to Nassau, uh, which is the decision I would certainly make these days, but, uh, I was just a noob back then. I didn't know any better. <laughs> so
0: this, this show, I mean, it's, 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 there's not, we can't really even talk about it cause there's like too much. It should be a, a multi-part, multi-part show just on two twenty eight oh three. It's, it's one of the, one of the best, according to fish net, um, this is it's ranked 36th, Um, ever, which, which doesn't seem fair somehow. There's, there's several like 2015 shows that are ranked ahead of it in terms of the rating, but that's just, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. So it's, it's not, I'm not going to say that's definitive, but I think that's low for this show when, especially when there's two of the all time best versions of, of two different songs in, in a show.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and to say nothing of the bust out of all bust outs Mm -hmm. Uh, really, um, if you, there have been bigger bust outs in terms of number of days or number of shows that have happened before and since, but, um, you know, once again, if you were not a fan back then and, um, experiencing this for as long as I had been a fan leading up to this and interfacing with people on the internet, talking about stuff the band playing destiny unbound was like, that was like the ultimate bust out. It seemed like they were never going to play it again. They had actually kind of made comments and interviews years before that seemed to indicate that they never wanted to play it again. Um, It was always the song that would come up as like the dream show. Like, you know, I'm going to miss the show where they play destiny unbound. It was just like on every single fan's mind. Uh, And when they played that, it was like the biggest the biggest deal. I mean, I I don't even know. I mean, I, I can't even think of another bust out that was like on the same level
0: of this. No, no. I think it was. It's the most notable for sure. And the for people who don't have a, um, you know, strange um, sense of this history, the, the in the eleven twenty two ninety seven show from Hampton at the beginning of the second set, which is just a an incredible show. Like most from that tour. Before they play Haley's, the the there's a crowd chant for Destiny Unbound, and Trey sort of makes fun of it, and he's like, "Sounds like a death, sounds like a death chant or something like that." So people, you know, even back to '97, we're trying to get Fish to, to to go back to Destiny Unbound, and and they hadn't until until this point. And one of our responses uh, from the from Twitter at, at the Sloth TT said one of one of the most. Uh, memorable moments of that show was watching fans sprint out of the bathroom once, once destiny started, which I can imagine, um, seems accurate.
1: Yeah. pretty. You, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, I think, I, I think the other thing that I, I figured out from the, um, the Twitter conversation around this is I feel like Nassau is one of those shows where there's a lot of people who were at Nassau, like, if Nassau Coliseum holds like 15,000 people maybe, mm-hmm. there was probably about 50,000 people who claimed to have been at Nassau Coliseum <laughs> that night. Um, and uh, m- just as many uh, who claimed that it was their first show. So um, good congratulations to uh, the people who actually did have their first show and chose a little bit better than, than I did uh, that week uh, or got a little bit luckier than I did. Um, But this is definitely one of those shows that there's a lot of yarns being spinned around.
0: In, in, if we have to pit them against each other, the gin or the tweezer from this, or
1: or is that not fair? Oh, the tweezer for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I don't even. I mean, is may it, the, the gin's great? Um, but I, I mean, the tweezer is just, you know, maybe twenty five of the best minutes of playing ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's perfect. It's like it's it's inspiring. At, at times, it's like it's jamming. It's it's majestic. It's perfect. It's a perfect piece of of fish improv. One of the best tweezers ever, of course, one of the best pieces of improv they've done. So I don't really know what else to say. Is there anything else we can say about it?
1: No, I mean, not about the tweezer. I mean, I guess if you want to look at some of the other spots um, of the show that maybe don't get quite as much uh, recognition, you know, we talked about the destiny unbound and the, in the bathtub gin Um, uh, you know, in terms of oddball songs, I play sleep, which is amazing. I love sleep. It doesn't get played Mm -hmm. enough. Um, back on the train is really, really good. Um, don't overlook the back on the train, uh, which is probably one of the best back on the trains ever. Um, (laughs) tweezer, uh, lands into soul shakedown party. I mean, you know, the antithesis of what they were doing other spots on the tour were, you know, they didn't they didn't go into like waste or something or all of the, all of these dreams or whatever. After that monster tweezer, they go into a huge bust out of soul shakedown party. Um yeah. And then that goes into a monster David Bowie, uh, which really which is incredible as well.
0: Really monstrous. And then a, a really nice Harry Hood to, to cap the set, which is if you, you know, if you could write a set list. Uh, for a set two, it it might look like this maybe without the round room, but the tweezer into a great bust out into a great Bowie and a great hood to close it. It's just, man, beautiful. Yep. Yep. And, and, and don't forget that there was some San Jose teases in there too.
1: Of course, (laughs) this was the, this was the era of San Jose. I mean, it was you know, like probably 2001 to 2004, uh, I th- I, in my opinion, you're hard pressed to find a jam when Trey doesn't play that lick. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The the so we can't even do 228 justice on this episode. So just if you haven't heard it, then I don't I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but it's amazing. So then they go down to Greensboro. Um, this is the last show of the tour. Again, so strange. After this show in Greensboro. They won't be back until, uh, until what July when they play in Phoenix. So yeah. it's just, it's crazy. 12 shows and then they're out. But this, this, I drove down to this one from DC. I do remember this, this one. So that's cool. This was a good, a good show. <laughs> the first set was really fun. I remember the, the foam being just, it was just such a nice, beautiful. I remember being very, very cold outside and, and the foam and there was just, something about it. I think it was Paige and Trey on that foam is just really, really memorable and a great um great middle of the first set song, you know. The but again, you got some you got some strange placements here, but the first set I thought was really good.
1: Yeah, you've got another uh sample in a jar set closer here. Um beautiful. Uh but uh yeah, this was I think as the tour closers tend to be, this was a probably a pretty good kind of amalgamation of like all of the things that they did on the tour, um, and and particularly the good the good ones. The first set is pretty first setty, which is mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. strange for this tour because there there was a lot of weird choices yeah. in, in the first sets around the tour, um, and it also doesn't necessarily have like a big marquee jam. Um, the waves is really nice, but. Um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, not anything to write home about. Um, but that, uh, that foam is, is definitely notable as you, as you pointed out.
0: And then the second set, Matt, there's, it's a long second set, a lot of songs, not, not at all like the, the night before or some of these five song sets, but, but, you know, some up and down, but, but pretty high energy throughout, including a a great Piper 2001.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, kind of a, this is almost like a Saturday night special and it was, mm-hmm. I think it, it mm-hmm. was Saturday night. Um, it was and uh, big crowd. Uh, Greensboro Coliseum is a huge building. Um, I think it holds like 30,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, it's cause they, that makes they sense. typically just used it for like the ACC basketball championships and stuff like that. Um, so it's like a, and the only time that they ever played there too, yeah. uh, down in, down in the Piedmont um, but then the I think what you look at for this show is probably the encore, right? The first tube uh, a yem into Proud Mary in the vocal jam.
0: Yeah, yeah, and this is a it's a party, you know this 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 second set like you said Saturday night. It was a party. It was a tour closer, and and the the yem, you know, encore. That's that's about all you could ask for. The Proud Mary vocal jam, people. People do point that out. I don't really remember that that well, but I guess it was probably pretty cool. But that was uh, it was only the the second time they've ever played that song, so that's cool. But the you enjoy myself. It's just man when that comes in the encore, as, as we remember from from Hampton last fall. It's it's what a great way to end a show.
2: Eu sou o que eu sou, eu sou o que wind keep on turning o que eu keep on burning o rolling, rolling rolling, eu sou o que eu Listen wherever you get podcasts.
0: So this this was um Jonathan went as well, and he Jonathan went to the show, according to his notes, in a clown car with his <laughs> with his wife and friends, and um they had they had a good time. The um he he Jonathan calls the trim the vocal jam of Proud Mary tremendous and probably one of the greatest fish encores I've ever witnessed. So There we go. That's a good, that's a good way to end it. So Matt, what, what's, um, now that we've gone through this, this tour, what's, uh, what's sort of a takeaway for you?
1: I think it's, uh, it's a really strong tour. Um, and I'll probably go back to some of these shows, um, more than I had in the past. If I'm going to listen to stuff from 'O three, it's typically been from the summer, um, which in my memory was a stronger tour, but I think this gives it a run for its money. Um, you do start to see some of the, like I said on the last episode, some of the problem areas, um, you know, uh, botched composed sections, weird pacing into the shows, lots of downtime between songs, um, some nights that you're just kind of scratching your head, figuring out what's trying to figure out what's going on with the band. Um, but, uh, it was a lot better than I remembered, um obviously, you know, Nassau and, and stuff like that, you know, you, everybody knows about, but, um, some of the shows like Chicago, uh, you know, the Vegas run, um, definitely a lot stronger than I had, uh, remembered.
0: Yeah. I think if you take the Nassau show as the show that you listen to from this tour, you, you definitely won't get a real authentic sense for how this tour played out because the tweezer and, and the bathtub gin from, from Nassau are both, they're not like that um, crazy energy that you hear in so many of those other jams we've discussed, right? I mean, they're, they're beautiful and there's a lot of great jamming in it, but it's they're more melodic. They're a little bit more um, exploratory, whereas that was one of my takeaways was going back to this tour, like the Antelopes and the Bowies and the Pipers and the Twist. And there's just, man, Trey was just playing the tempo and the energy and... The ferocity was just pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because if you, these days, if you look at a set list and you see a Bowie or an Antelope, you probably almost gloss over it. Or if you wanted to listen to highlights from a show, you may not even listen to them because you pretty much know what's going to happen. And not that any of the Bowies or Antelopes or even Rebas from this tour got too far out there or anything like that. They were pretty, relatively standard versions of the songs, but the playing is just exciting. You know, I mean, they're really tearing into them and, um, uh, drawing them out a little bit longer and, um, they're just a, a really fun listen.
0: Yeah. Um, Matt, will fish ever go back to, to Nassau?
1: I, I hope they do. Um, it's, it's been renovated since they played their last, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the LA forum, how it's um, it's like a concert only venue. So um, I think that would be cool. I think that their um, penchant and for an agreement with Madison square garden kind of makes that difficult. Um, yeah. But although I think MSG actually owns Nassau now too, but um, so I don't know. I think maybe, you know, they don't want to, take the long Island railroad out there and yeah. from Manhattan, they'd rather just, you know, just take, take the, <laughs> take the subway to the garden and play or right. whatever. Right, right. Um, I don't know. It's I, such I mean, a cool place. maybe they can borrow Billy Joel's helicopter and yeah. cause that's what he does, uh, to go from long Island to Manhattan. But, <laughs> right, uh, right, right, Yeah, no, I'd love to see them out there. Um, I'd love to see them play down in Greensboro again, um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe slightly mm-hmm. selfishly cause we've got, uh, family down in that area. um, but uh yeah, I think that there's uh you know, there's some places I'd love to see them play at the Spectrum again, but the spectrum got destroyed, so can't do that. <laughs> that is
0: not, not likely. <laughs> yeah, I saw one fish show at Nassau Coliseum in two thousand three and it was not the February one, which is Ooh. which is yeah, a little bit sad. But I'd like to go back. After the island tour, I just I wanted to go back. But um okay. So we appreciate everyone listening. Um send us thoughts, comments, feedback. Send us manifestos if you have them, so we can read them. Because that was fun, and we're uh, <laughs> looking forward to to coming back with a with a really good and interesting 150th episode. And yeah, thanks everybody for your support and feedback. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or however you listen to us. That'd be helpful. And we are available on on all of the all the internet, right, Matt? All of it, everywhere. Everywhere.
1: And uh, I'm also available uh, right now, uh, even though you're listening to this through the magic of the internet, I am uh, traveling to Mexico. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, say hi in Mexico. Uh, I don't. I think we're all out of stickers, so I may not have anything to give you other than a high five and a hug or something like that. Um, uh, no, I, just let me know if you're germ free before I hug you because, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to stay germ Don't want to catch anything. <laughs> no, you don't. But, uh, <laughs> drinks on me if, if we see each other in Mexico. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, have fun. I'll be here in the cold, cold, cold winter. So hope everybody has a good couple of weeks. We'll see you back here. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Keep on rocking. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.
1: Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast.